Thanks for coming to the, uh, this is the last live Ink Studs thing I've, I'm doing on the epic road trip with Brandon Graham, but in case you haven't heard, Brandon's not here, he's having visa issues, so he technically can't leave Canada, or else wow. he wouldn't be able to get back into Canada, and I don't think Marion would be very happy We'd be that. happy to have him stay, but... Yeah, I think what would end up happening is he would f try flying home, they would say no, you can't come here, go to America, and somehow he'd end up living with Corey Lewis again. And it's not good for anyone, is it? No, it's not. Um, so I'm sorry uh, Brandon's not here. I did bring the uh, sketchbook he did for the CBLDF, um, which is signed by him. So if you want to buy something signed, it's there. Um, that's the best I could do. <laughs> um, on that note, uh, I guess I'll introduce the guests for this evening. Uh, over at the end, we have Alison Sampson. Alison's uh, book is Genesis, um, which, that's it. They had them up, sitting up before, but I said to put them down, because then you can't see our wonderful faces with books in the way. Um, up next, we have Jamie McElvey. Did I get it right? Is it McElvey? Yes. I didn't ask yeah. in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
who's uh, the Wicked and the Divine, um, is actually sold out of the trade paperback. Um, <laughs> but feel free to buy issues or wait for Gosh to restock on trade paperbacks. And then you'll have a new issue out in December. Uh, yeah, I guess in about four, three weeks. Issue six. There we go. And next to me is Daryl Cunningham, Daryl's new book, which is already signed, Super Crash. I'm now holding you. As well as other books that include uh, Psychiatric Tales and Science Tales. I think Super Crash just came out at Pop Bubble. Uh, yeah, just before the legs. Okay. Yeah. Recently, and then very the, recently. And then Wicked Divine Trade also was yeah, yeah, last, last week, week. Yeah. Mm. and sold out ridiculously quick. Mm-hmm. Apparently so. It's good. Yeah. Um, thank you all for coming to this, and thank everyone here for coming here this evening. It's not the nicest weather out, but it reminds me of home. Vancouver is very <laughs> similar, but it's actually colder in Vancouver right now, so that's unusual. Um. I thought we kind of do some kind of more vague or general questions because all three of you, uh, your work is very different, uh, coming from very different directions, and so um, maybe with that idea we can kind of see the, what those directions are and kind of uh, touch on that. So my first thing I'm talking about is um, what do you bring as an influence from outside of comics um, into your comics work? Well, for me, um, I haven't been, as probably people know, I haven't been making comics that long. Um, In fact, only really for about the last three years or so. And before that, and currently, I'm an architect, um, working on buildings mainly in London. Um, I specialise in really large complex projects, and I've been doing that for about 25 years. And um, there's a building about 200 yards up there that was done by my mate. So that's the kind of, with the curvy front, that's the kind of thing that I do. And um, the comics, really, um, I just, I, I made a comic because somebody suggested that it would be a good thing. And then somebody saw that on the internet and asked me to draw another comic. And then from that, there's been a tree, a sort of a tree of opportunities to draw more comics. And it went better than I expected. And um, I'm still drawing comics. So I just thought, you know, life's very short. You should do things like this. So what do you think are some of the influences... Um, from this, from being an architect, that are uh, kind of bleeding um, into your every, 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 everything. There's two or three main things. The first one is um, how it's actually drawn, um, which is just with um, a thin black pen and a felt pen and Tipex. And this is actually what I do in my work. So it's not. Some people think it looks like sort of vertigo or something, but no, that's that's just like the materials at hand, and so it just looks like my architecture work because that's what you do. Um, the other. The, the next thing is composition, because that's what architects do. It's, we are abstract artists. Before I drew that comic, I, um, Genesis, I'd um, only ever drawn a male figure once. And um, that's all That's all now. And um, so, you know, I, I could do the abstract stuff and the design and the composition and make things look pretty, but the challenge for me is to um, do the other bit. And um, the third thing that influences is the storytelling. That when you say, say when you walked into this room, and you look there, and you look there, then you look there, and then you came here, and then you sat down, and that's the kind of thing that you. It's the kind of way you would interact with a comic, and you would interact with architecture in the same way. And we think about that stuff. And something I'm trying to work towards, 
and there's all the constraints of comics to deal with, is I'm trying to work towards bringing that sort of three-dimensional, um, non-linear experience into comics more. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's, that's ahead of me to some extent. That's it. Uh, for me, everything. <laughs> um, yeah, everything around me. I've, I've had a long, long-standing uh, opinion that comics, because they're pop culture, they should feed off the pop culture around it and not be insular. <coughs> like, especially mainstream comics got towards sort of the nineties and it's expanded a bit now. But certainly back then, it felt very insular. So, um, music, fashion, TV, graphic design, um, literally everything around me. Just pull it in to the comics and use it in the comics. I'm really curious specifically with you with fashion and how mm. that is like a central role in... Yeah, it's very important, design. especially because with a book like Wicked Divine, the, the god characters are all sort of also pop star archetypes. It's very, the fashion and the look of them is very, very important. So we started pulling together the, the reference for that in the middle of last year. While we were still working on Young Avengers, we had a style blog that we didn't have a name for it, so nobody knew what it actually was for. But um, anything that I see online or whatever that I think right that person will wear that that person will wear that because the des- um, design character design is I feel like is very very important because <coughs> it expresses a part of the character mm-hmm. um, and so there are clothes that Morrigan would wear that Emma Tarasa would never wear and vice versa and so on um, and so that kind of stuff yeah really important I'm curious about the kind of carefulness of creating these unique pop culture looks without being too dependent on kind of a singular figure mm, mm. Um, do you f- like is that kind of a line you're careful with yourself to have you to have draw? to be yeah and certain of the gods are more aligned to one specific real life person than others and mm-hmm. um, some are clearer than others but you do yeah you put in influences from all around you've got someone like um, Inanna who appears in issue 6 for the first time who's um, very clearly like the prince archetype but you can't just use him because it would just be Prince because yeah. he's got such a strong look himself so you sort of have to so that's the starting point for it but then you, you put in other influences and think about other ways and then you end up with a character who is well aligned with that real person isn't that real person um, and then they become more and more their own characters you go along <coughs> more and more in person so yeah or every, every, whenever you know just in daily life if I see something I'm constantly looking out for styles and fashions and things and if I, if I see something that I feel would be useful and make sure I remember it or, or re-blog it if it's on Tumblr or something. <laughs> How about yourself, Daryl? Um, when I was young, when you're young, you think you can pretty much identify your influences are because it's just a small sort of set of things but you get to my age, you, you've seen, experienced, read, heard so many things you, that at this point I can't even say what, my, what is pulling and pushing on me anymore. It's just a massive, massive ocean stuff crashing on me all the time of all this stuff that I've experienced. But I think originally, because I, I went to art college, that that was a powerful experience. So I was very influenced by the sort of fine art approach and especially a lot of those sort of early modernist sort of painters and especially like uh, the Flemish woodcut eyes. Franz Masaryl, that very stark look, which I've carried on to to this day, really, to get a very simple look. And also my fascination with buildings and street scenes and architecture. So I would say that in some level, it was, those were my influences. It's interesting, architecture kind of plays a role in 
mm. all your works. Mm. Well, it has to really because you're not just um, detailing characters and stuff, you have to detail their entire world. So you really have to try and pay attention to those kind of things. Well, yeah. you have to put the characters somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, ar- there's architecture and there's buildings. There's buildings are just. Um, well, buildings are like, cl- say, clothes or something. They're, they're objects that are kind of around, which mm-hmm. give context. But, but architecture is the setting and the story mm. and the space. And it is, is many things. Um, and I think it has a lot, of, a lot in common with... I, th- I think almost the word, the word storytelling is almost an analogue for architecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it is that broad. Um, I mean, people use the word architecture for many, many things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just on a pragmatic level, I have when I'm planning out uh, the area that a story is taking place, and I have to consider what the story is doing to make sure the the space works for it, and the the room or the or the building or whatever, um, which the writer doesn't often do. Yeah, you're, you're really precise about that. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I read about that. I really don't care. Oh, well, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. make the page. I mean, I mean, I, I, I will. I don't know. I don't know if people. I think to some extent, I try. I do try. I mean, and make sure that things tie up. That if there is yeah. a room, that things are in the room in the right place when you're looking at it from different angles. But um, I, if it's not what people are actually looking at, um, well, I mean, people can take their choice. If you think that my work isn't convincing that's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't if it's not necessarily the most important thing on the page I will put I will put the space where it is most appropriate to tell the story and that's not necessarily the same room from one panel to the next <laughs> do you ever hear about uh, Dave Sim did this one thing for a story which was I think Sarah was dragging someone through a courtyard they're both just drunk and uh, it was in the snow but he actually set up like a model of the town. Yes, I've read that strip, mm. and, and and he do, did actually do that on another later on in the in the service as well. In a street, a whole street scene sort of worked out in phys- physicality and in, in small you know, details, so we could see it from different angles. Mm. I made three D models of places, which is the same on the computer. Yeah, basically, probably a lot less work. Yeah, well, well, depends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> depends. <laughs> Easier oh. to store. Yeah, yeah. I don't do any of that. I just <laughs> don't care, really. I mean, I mean, I mean that, that, that said, I do, I do use 3D models. Not, not necessarily of um, rooms and interiors, because I think, you know, perception can be the way. So you look at this room, it, 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 you could see it in any different way, mm. depending where you're standing or how you, if you're moving. But I am using, I'm d- drawing a lot of vehicles at the moment, Which and I have, a, I, have a, I have a fleet of toy cars, yeah. and um, which I have to use. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could, I could use SketchUp models, but I'm not drawing digitally, so I have, I have, my, I have my toy cars, and um, I have, I have some hats and I have some guns, and um, yeah, I don't have any guns. They're quite hard to buy in this country. You have yeah. to, you, 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 um, you, can, you can only. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. It's, I really wanted a modern gun to, for a particular story, and um, you can't you can't get them at all. Um, you can get historical guns, but not um, modern ones. Can you not buy replicas? Then? Is that well, I, I haven't succeeded yet. So I had a good good old look, but I just thought in the end it's like I'll just make one out of balsa wood or something. <laughs> Tell me about the research component. Uh, it seems like all of you do research in different ways for your work. Um, 
how has that kind of affected the stories you're working on, especially like taking you in unexpected directions? Uh, for me, I mean, it's absolutely <coughs> crucial because I mean, I'm dealing with huge factual subjects. And then the, this latest book, um, Finance and Banking, and to some extent, like biography. So, what I have to do, and it's a long process, is just read and read and read. So, I have like books stacked around my bed for the duration. And when I get to a point where I can explain a subject and they understand it, then I know I understand it myself properly. Because they do say that you know, if you want to learn something properly, it's best to teach it. Mm-hmm. So that's my approach, really. And I think that's it, really. Well, um, Super Crash especially, you really, uh, with the, the Ayn Rand stuff and the kind of banking crisis, seems like you really have to like figure a way of taking this huge voluminous amount of information and just like boiling it down to its bare essentials. And how do you figure out those essentials? I have no idea how to do that. It's just a mysterious <laughs> process that I just learned how to do. And now that I know I can do it, but how I managed to sort of whittle it down is, is a mystery, really. Perhaps it's worth, not worth examining it too closely. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, um, I'm not sure about any of your directions. I know um, we, Kira and I both sort of feed, feed off each other in that sort of sense that I might introduce something that he hadn't thought of in the script that he'll then work on, say, an item of clothing or a haircut or whatever. Then it will be a story point for some reason. Um, a lot, of, a lot of the research I do um, on this book, especially, is, is about locations because it's set in London and it's very specifically set in real London and the London that we live in. Um, there's a lot of sort of travelling around and issue five, uh, the bit that takes place at Highbury Corner, and then there's a they sort of escape to a to a, um, a house nearby. I was basically spent a couple of hours wandering around trying to find the right place for it, and, and then that sort of feeds back into layer bits of the story and things like that. There's this great, uh, I'll, I'll talk about Brandon for a sec, there's this great quote he has where uh, he was trying to figure out how to draw a bus stop and he was like, Google imaging, Google imaging, and realized he could just yeah, walk a block okay. away <laughs> and then sit on the corner and yeah, yeah, just draw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which a lot of artists don't do, <coughs> don't, don't seem to do anyway. Yeah. So pay attention to the world around them. I mean, m- most all, all of my work at the moment is set in the US and what that means is every single thing that you can think of, say even an ordinary kitchen is different here. Mm. So I have to look every. I have to do things like say, I think in all my books I've had kitchens. Um, you have to just find out what people have in their kitchens and you know what the materials are. It is it is different. And if you you can't just take I can't I have used my own kitchen. My own kitchen is in there, but you can't just take that. You have to. It will show. People, people, people will notice, and also uh, in the U.S., everything is regional as well. So, um, Genesis is um, it's it's the Midwest, and then it's the West Coast, and then it's just wherever it's space. And then um, th- I just had a creepy uh, um, issue come out last month, and that's in mid nineteenth century New York in a very specific year. And I did Western in New Mexico in the same year. And you have to, you have you really, really have to do your research, particularly 
if there's certain things that people are enthusiastic about, like guns and military uniforms. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't get the gun... In, in your story, which is set in 1860, about something that is very beloved, and, and I think probably a lot of people in the US know a lot about from school and so on, um, you've got to get it right. So they will notice. And, you know, so for that kind of thing... Um, I have a very, I have, I have, a, I have a replica Colt revolver for this, um, and it's, it's the same on um, Emma. It's pretty deadly. Um, uh, yeah, and you, and you, you, you have this thing, and so the, res- the research has to be really solid. Now, the book I'm working on at the moment, I'm working with Steve Niles, who has a huge amount of experience of um, horror material, and what we have, and we started this nearly when we started the project was we have a secret tumbler where he puts things on and I put things on and then he gives me films to go and watch which I have to watch and um, in this in, and, and, we're, and our story is set in a very particular physical place which people will know and um, I have to draw it properly so every, every, on this one it's actually quite weird it's, this is the one that has to be so solid in terms of um, it, its various references because it's Probably, it's got the highest proportion of readership. Will go. Oh, I know that place. I've been there. I know that thing. So um, yeah, but Steve is great because he has he has this huge huge knowledge, and it's really enjoyable to be given um, a reading list and a film list. <laughs> go off and watch this film. Oh right, that's what you want. And, and it's things like on the Tumblr where I'm putting stuff on there. What I think the thing that we are doing is about but he puts something on it's like oh no that's how you see it um so it's it's very helpful i mean this i mean tumblr is great for this i mean every project i've started i've had a secret tumblr for sharing the the research material and and eventually i expect we'll we'll probably make it public i don't know <laughs> i'm interested about that that kind of give and take um like you're not just taking everything from the writer. Like you're both here. It depends very much on the writer. Um, on Genesis, I got a script with no reference um, at all. And um, e- even, I didn't know... I, I mean, I had to find out a phenomenal amount about the US. Like, you know, there's a barn with apple orchards. You know, where in the US are there apple orchards? And what are barns like? Um, boring. boring. Not like here, and <laughs> um, you know. So you have to you have to kind of go on, Google on the, on the internet for quite a long time and find a place in the US that has apple orchards and barns, and then sort of pet, sort of have the whole thing set there. And I had to, I just had to go off and figure that one out. It's fine. And um, Fred Van Lente, who I worked with on um, the creepy, he was great because he gave me in the script a whole pile of reference, and I don't think. Apart from the fashion, which is just really fun for the mid-19th century, apart from the fashion, I didn't need to look anything else up. And the fashion was great. Mm. I love that. Um, there's a lot of back and forth with us um, in terms of everything, really. Um, yeah. Kieran will come to me with concepts of the characters or whatever, and then I'll come back with my concept of the character, and we sort of we work back and forth. We're always constantly in, in contact, talking about every single aspect of the comic. Um, it's really collaborative. It must um, be really unique with the relationship you guys have yeah, because you've yeah, been yeah, together, working together so much. Eleven years now, yeah, so wow. long time. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
um, I wouldn't say it's shorthand because the scripts are still very long, but uh, <laughs> the, the, way, the way we talk to each other, um, you know, there's an understanding. We know, we know how we work. He knows he can write for me uh, things he wouldn't write to other people because he knows how I work. Um, and uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of discussion at every single point. Every, and, but with, with, the, um, with the understanding that anything he writes into the script um, say with in terms of um, ideas of presenting a panel or a splash page or whatever he's just written that as a way to see it's possible it doesn't necessarily mean that's the way we're going to do it and he knows I, I might come up with something different as long as uh, the story is, 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 is told because I think he we work together so well because we both understand um, storytelling I guess like I, if, I'm, if I'm presenting a splash page um, if it looks nice, great, but it has to tell the story as well. Yeah. So I understand what the story is, so he knows he can trust me and that kind of thing. And you're able to challenge him as well. Yeah. You're like, I don't like this idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, oh, yeah. There's no, there's no, um, there's no holding back for worries of being <laughs> like that. If, if there's something that's not working, we'll work about it. Yeah. And Daryl, I know you work primarily unitary on your. Well, I'm both the artist and writer, but there still is collaboration. There still yeah. is other people's input um, with this book, which is mostly to do with finance and banking, that kind of thing. I have to have sort of people who have worked in that area have a look at it, sort of correct it and make suggestions uh, of how it could be either corrected or simplified. With the previous book, Science Tales, which is a, a book of like cartoon essays, on controversial science subjects, things like evolution and climate change, they actually, all the strips were put on, chapters were put online before publication. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of feedback from people, like with the evolution one, from people who actually were, were biologists. So I was able to correct or make changes for, before publication. So in fact, Science Tales of Psych was scientifically peer-reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first comic strip ever to happen. Um, how about with Super Crash? Um, do you have, like, economists that you would work yes, with? I've, uh, yes, I have. And Randian specialists? Not so much Andrew Randian, but it was the middle section on the actual banking crisis itself and things and an explanation of how derivatives work, how the um, America, the US um, housing market affected the banks and how Wall Street sort of fitted in. <coughs> All that had to be looked up. It was poured over by <coughs> multiple people, both here and in the United States at Abrams. Mm -hmm. Now, is there anything specific you're trying to connect with your reader with the work that you're putting forward? I'm, I'm trying to find um, space for the reader to take time on the work. Um, I'm not the world's fastest artist, and I put a lot of design work into it. And um, the books I like from when I was little were the kind of things where you could spend quite a lot of time looking at the pages. Um, one of my favourite artists is Brian Wildsmith, who is um, well known for these picture books, which you can which you can just spend quite a lot of time looking at the indivi individual pages, finding things. And I, li I like making that kind of work, where people can just take time with it, and a second reading that will find something else. Um, and, and I think that's more fun for people to read. I I'm, try I'm trying to make an enjoyable experience. Um, 
but you know there's there's things hidden in all the pages of every book um you know there's references to other cartoonists there's things there's like um easter eggs about people there's references to other books there's the current one the page i just did there's a whole kind of cloud formation thing and there's a whole lot of animals hidden in the clouds for for people to kind of find or not see or whatever um so I, I just want to make an enjoyable experience, and I, w- I want it to be strange, and, and I want it to be experimental. Um, you know, if I want to draw something boring for a lot of money, I'll go back and do architecture, and that's cool. <laughs> but um, this is something like this, particularly at the level I'm at. If it's not interesting, nobody's going to want it. I want it to be fun. I, I mean, there's there's things there's things to find in Genesis. There's I've hidden Brandon Grail's whale in there, and Sarah Horace's ostrich, and loads of things. So, I I I think it's it's for fun for people really, and to and also to annoy people as well slightly. <laughs> like um, in the Thought Bubble anthology we did, I had this huge long poem to sort of illustrate, and um, it was Alice Cart wrote it. It was very very personal and almost unillustratable, and I thought you know if he's put himself out there like that then so will I. And um, so what we've done is maybe turn the book. So when people open it, they have to turn the book to read the, play, read the poem. And then the last page, we make them turn the book again to read the last page. And then when you're reading it like that, it actually doesn't work. It's supposed to book because then you turn the page and you turn back on our poem again. And, and you read the poem again, which, you know, instead of going on through the anthology. And it's an experiment, and I like that. And I don't know if it's worked, but... I think um, if we're going to do something like this, we ought to try things, and that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, Doesn't communicate to the reader. Um, <coughs> I mean, telling the story is the most important thing. I do. Uh, I think if you can tell vaguely what's happening in a page without the dialogue, then I've succeeded. Yeah. A lot of the time, you can't. I think, which is a strange for a visual medium, um, and keep it. So I deliberately. For example, keep um, a lot of the panel layouts fairly simple when you when there's when there's conversational stuff, or whatever. Because um, any comic could be somebody's first comic, and I think a lot of a lot of mainstream stuff has now because people working in the industry and reading the comics and been doing it for so long. There's a lot of really complicated um, uh, visual signifiers that most people wouldn't get. You, know, you can get you can get a page where you just no idea which panel to go to next mm-hmm. that kind of thing which I try and avoid because like I said could be somebody's first comic um, and then there are a lot of within within the designers there are a lot of visual signifiers I think like you can look you can look at a character and, and get a rough idea of what kind of person they are I guess with, with, with that kind of thing so that kind of thing I'm always trying to impart um, giving more meaning and extra extra value to the story rather than what's just happening you know yeah, I mean, I've developed quite a simple style. And the main reason for this is that I'm often dealing with subjects where there's such a mass of information, really. I'm to it as easy for the reader to grapple with that as possible. So, uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to be have people sort of work out where people are standing or anything very complex in terms of the panel layout, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and I keep to a sort of restricted uh, colour palette. So you can just sort of fall into the page almost without touching the sides and sort of get the information that way. 
So that that's a very important to me. That easy to read entry. Yeah, yeah. that workshop like with your work, I'm really thinking of it almost has like you wouldn't think it, but it has like a like a beat to it, like that keeps you wanting to read and it keeps the story moving. Yeah, well, yes, definitely intentional. But again, it's like, how do I willow, you know, sculpt everything down to sort of, yeah, almost how I do this is almost almost invisible to me, really. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna ask more questions, but I'm also gonna give an opportunity for anyone for the audience if you have questions. It's all right. You don't have to. <laughs> well, I have a question for Jamie. Uh, following on what you were just saying about using simpler layout for certain mainstream comics so that mm. you don't alienate your audience. Um, the contrast to that is that some of the pages you did in Young Avengers were quite experimental. Mm. Um, and I was wondering when you and Kieran were discussing adding those elements to the story, what the tension was between creating a balance between traditional storytelling and things that were a bit more experimental that you thought I can get away with this, let's see if it works. Um, well, what the, the reason we did that was because we wanted to um, have a big contrast between the action sequences and the bits in between. And the, the, the concept of it was, well, there are two concepts. One of it was um, fight scenes in a music video, I guess, in a way. Um, trying to just do something, just trying to do something interesting with it. And also, we set ourselves a challenge that every time we told a fight scene one way, we'd never do that again for the run. So everything, it was a different thing each time. But within that, it was still trying to make sure it was clear to follow what was happening. Um, but it was definitely a, yeah, a, a conscious decision to make the fight scenes stand out against the, uh, the teenage angst. Kind of, so. oh, okay. Um, do you ever kind of have an idea that you've been kind of wor working on and you have to give it up, but revisit it later and find a new way of working it? I don't really work like that, to be honest. Um, what I'm trying to, what I try and do is, is respond to what I have, um, and I, d I don't, I don't have a language. I, I haven't made enough comics to have a kind of a kind of language of storytelling. I'm, I'm more. It's, it's more like engineering for me. It's what is needed to do the thing that is needed to tell this story, and so I don't, ha I don't have lots of spare bits because it's, um, as I say, it's, en it's engineering. I, I try and provide what is needed to tell the story in hand rather than have kind of things I kind of like that I'd like to insert. I, I don't think I have, um, I mean, apart, apart from the odd thing I was chatting about earlier where, um, say, I'd like, um, ideally I'd like Donia to be involved in the artwork for the thing I'm doing at the moment, I don't quite know how. That's one of the really few things that I've got where it's something I don't quite know how it would be used, but otherwise, no, I don't, I don't have a whole load of stuff in my back pocket I want to use at all, that's nothing maybe. On a, on a small level, yeah, if, um, if there's a sequence or something that I'm having trouble with, with how I'm going to present it, usually one of the experimental things, um, I'll let it sort of percolate away in the back of my head while I'm working on the pages that I know I can tackle straight away, and then usually by the end of that I've got to a point where I know what I'm going to do. Um, and on a bigger scale, it's more just about not having time. There's a lot of things I want, a lot of stories I want to, want to draw, and I just haven't got time for them. Uh, it takes so long to draw. I have a lot of sort of half-formed ideas and some quite well-thought-out ideas that some of them which I've had in my mind for years, which I've never got around to doing, but usually because 
either the kind of story is doesn't suit the kind of style that I have and I would need to write for another artist or some other impediment has stopped me but uh, just also just time as well yeah. and they're often mostly fiction ideas which I haven't done for a while now I've got to the point where people expect just uh, non-fiction from me and I've been, I'm being a bit typecast now yeah it's just this one thing but in fact you know I'm quite capable of doing fiction stuff as well and I'd like to get back to that at some point do you have find that publishers are like okay we need a book on this issue um. it's a little bit like that um, um, with Science Tales the American edition they asked for an extra ch- chapter on gas fracking which in the US, of course, it's like a big thing, and Canada as well. Yeah. Do people and, uh, know what fracking is? Yeah. yeah, it's a big problem. And then it started to pick yeah. up in the past few years here, and has been sort of um, <coughs> implicated in causing an earthquake on part uh, in the north of England. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. And so, and I thought, oh, I didn't really want to do it. It sounds so boring. <laughs> so boring, but I did it, and you know, I found it was a really interesting subject after all. So sometimes publishers come to me with those things. I think I think have, having constraints like what Daryl was talking about, where there's something that you think is boring, sometimes that's the kind of story that yields the best results. Like I I, I got given a story set in um, new an, another historical set in New Mexico in the. Um, mid 19th century and it was poor people no glamour no pretty houses lot of horses boring landscape and, and there was nothing on an initial look that looked exciting about it but it was a great story to draw and it, I think it was one of the best stories I've done and one of the best looking things and it was good because there was nearly nothing it was, it was elegant there was nearly nothing to it in a way Do you have any side projects you work on um, to kind of step out of being straight focusing on, on your published comics because I know Alison I hope you can talk about uh, Think of a City um, it's something I'm thinking of I wonder if either of you have things or is it just I comics I have a lot of time to do I think yeah. you know, but, um, uh, I do I, now and then like I do um, uh, stuff for my friends band I do some posters for their tours and things like that um, I'd like to do more things like that, but it's just finding the time, really, yeah, because it takes working divine, so it expands to fill the time I've got at all, at all times. Um, it's quite a complicated book like that, and a lot of the time as well. I will, ex- this is so stupid <coughs> to do, but I'll take the script and think, no, this needs more pages, and I'll add more pages to it. And <laughs> more work. Um, seems to have happened every single issue so far. Um, so, yeah, time is the problem, really. But I'd like to do more stuff. I'd love to do more more music stuff. Um, yeah. Well, generally, I've got the same problem that there isn't really time. I mean, uh, Super Crash took a, a huge effort over two years, and I didn't really have time to step away from it and do other side projects. But occasionally, I would do sort of one-off drawings or things just for fun, just to sort of break it up for me. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the editing process. I did start working on sort of other material, uh, mostly sort of stuff that uh, I've been asked to do, so, but uh, not during the, the whole sort of drawing process. I mean, I mean, what Think of a City is, is um, 
it came out of Ian McEwen and I mm-hmm. um, being envious of, of Brandon Graham's King City and we were kind of wishing we'd done it ourselves mm-hmm. and then we kind of realised actually we could do it ourselves so um, it started off with about six of us um, and we sort of sat in the bar in a hotel in, in Vancouver actually and we were like well we think we might do this and would you like to, would you do it and you do it and you do it then I'll go first and if I draw a bit of a city then you draw a bit of a city and we're like yes that sounds like a good idea so I came back and I designed this project where it's um, it's a website um, a Twitter account a Facebook account and a really detailed email which is this huge <laughs> notorious huge email that goes around and um, that's all it is I sort of designed this project that um, basically what we're doing it's I think it's about 200 people now it, it, it's it's grown and it continue it will continue to grow um, where we're drawing a city page by page and we've done I've just put number 27 up and um, basically it's this giant email that just gets passed from person to person um, in a long list and um, people do a page in turn of a bit of the city. So it's, it's, it's say, like um, Calfino talking about invisible, where he has invisible cities, where, in fact, he's talking about all the same city. And our city is all the same city. What we're doing is, is it's, um, it's a derive where it's like somebody passing through a space and seeing these different events and experiences. And um, it's, it's whatever people want it to be. Um, Jamie's doing it with um, Jeff Noon, mm-hmm. which will be very interesting. I've no mm-hmm. idea what you're going to do. No, I've, no, I've no idea what anybody's going to do. We don't edit it. Um, it's supposed to be safe for work, but that's all. There's some quite strict rules about, you know, timing and so on, but the, the rules are to do with, you know, the procedures rather than actually what's on the paper. And, um, yeah, so that's... It's all set up that it's supposed to be a minimal amount of time for me, that I just receive... People pass it around... And um, I receive the art and upload it, and um, and we, as I, as I say, it's it's whatever, it's whatever it, it um, is going to be. But as it came from this idea that um, I think I think somebody connected with Marvel said everybody who draws for Marvel has to draw New York, and I was like, why only New York? Um, you know, shouldn't we be drawing anything? You know. Settings are so important for storytelling, blah, 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 blah. So um, we, d- we did this um, where it was to promote the use of settings in storytelling and then really sort of it's become the project that ate comics, kind of, because we have, we have so many people involved from... How far in advance are you scheduled with it? We've got, I've got about, um, I keep telling people I've got four years of stuff booked, but I think it's nearer five. Um, I haven't counted, I haven't counted the people involved in quite a long time. And, um, and people can be very erratic in how long they take. I mean, Ian Colbard took six hours and the, the one before him took three weeks. So, you know, it, it, it's really hard to tell how long people will take. But it's, um, <coughs> it will continue as long as I'm happy to administrate it. Um, and it's really not hard to do. And um, it's really, really interesting. People, every single contribution has been excellent, um, where people make these very sort of personal contributions. You know, like um, 
that uh, Alexis Siris, um he knew what he was going to do the minute I asked him way back a couple of years ago and he drew Caracas where he's from and um, I think he drew you know a gunman and a gunship and it's it's a it's a really interesting thing because he doesn't live there anymore. He he lives in Flo- he moved to Florida, and um, that was the day. In fact, that was the hour that I put it up that there was revolution in Caracas, and it was incredibly timely. And these things are really personal to people. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was a coincidence. It was at that time, but it meant a lot to him. They all the contributions mean a lot to people. I mean. You're d- Jamie's doing this because it's Jeff New, mm. and yeah, that's somebody yeah. you came forward to work with. Yeah, because it's been I've been a fan of it since uh, Vert, which was probably twenty years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. in fact, I think twenty anniversary books just come out. Yeah, yeah. eighty five or something. No, it was in the nineties, but it was certainly really was it yeah, yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, but it was I think it, I think a twentieth anniversary yeah. book is coming out. What was the book? Vert, really good. Yeah, I'm very Canadian. I apologize. <laughs> It's it's kind of um, <coughs> cyberpunk via Manchester, okay. I guess. So sort of feeding off the the um, um, through um, New Order to Happy Mondays kind of vibe and filter cyberpunk through that. I guess some good drugs. Yeah, basically, it's about it's about drugs. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say it's incredibly spacey. <coughs> I don't think about drugs at all. Yeah. It's it's really it's really um, he's a poet. It's poetic mm. about things that you wouldn't even think of. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Um, Daryl, I want to get a little bit more into Super Crash and just um, some of the things that have kind of stuck out to you in the process of putting the book together, um, like new things you learned about the, the financial disaster in the States or unusual things. Um. Well, so much. I mean, one of the reasons I, pro- I took on this book is because I didn't really know how it happened. And I think um, people think, having done a science book previous to this, people think there's a sort of a gap in uh, the people, you know, general, the general population's knowledge of, of science. But that's nothing compared to sort of a like Grand Canyon sized gulf between. Um, uh, people's understanding <coughs> of of finance, so that's huge, and and I felt the same, and I felt the media generally had done a very poor job mm-hmm. of explaining it, and explaining particularly uh, things like derivatives and what they are, what futures are, and things like that, which were crucial to understanding what happened. So, and I learned I had to learn all that and read about it in great detail. So that was a, a big revelation to me, how it all sort of fits together. Jamie, uh, thinking about um, Wicked in, the Wicked and the Vine, um, I'm curious about your own research into the gods and um, kind of understanding their kind of previous interpretations and how you know, um, that's kind of worked into it. Or I'm just mostly, like really modern pop. Yeah, I mostly left that to Kieran. He did a lot of research into the into the 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 mythical aspect of it. Um, I'm not sure I did that much at all. To be honest, he, he, there's, a, there's a Bible for the for the series. It's quite extensive where he goes into the different characters. So I didn't need too much of a grounding. In it. The only the only thing, a lot. I mean, a lot of them I, I knew who they were anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any of them I wasn't aware of beforehand. I don't think so. No, 
the, the most research I did into the um, the previous version of the match was just when it came to the icons, designing the icons for each character. And that's just kind of really boiling down. Yeah, boiling down the essence of the, the god, yeah. And, and then there's one in particular where, um, so there are two empty circles left on the on the god wheel at the moment, and uh, we did a t-shirt of, of the design for um, New York, and so obviously I had to fill those in with the kind of gods. <laughs> Uh, one of them is more obvious than the other one. The other one is very deliberately. Once you see it, once you see it, once you know the god is, you'll know why it's that. But avoiding spoilers because it would make something a bit too obvious. So <laughs> we didn't want to spoil ourselves with our own t-shirt. Issue six will be out in December. Yes, that's no, that's ne- neither of them show up in that one. Well, I mean, Anna shows up, but he's already on the wheel. So, so yeah. Now, before we got started, you were telling me about. Satanism. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is my current thing. Think of, it, think of a city, architecture, and Satanism. Absolutely. Um, what do you need to know? <laughs> What's new? Um, well, what I'm doing about Satanism is this, is this is what I'm going to be doing all through this winter and into the spring and probably into the summer. That's how not quick at drawing I am is I'm, I'm drawing this book with Steve Niles called Winnebago Graveyard, um, which is, it's not announced, but it's likely to be an image book, probably. Very likely. And uh, possibly. And, um, hopefully. And um, it's about Satanists in... We were going to have them in Texas. I'm so relieved it's not Texas, because, <laughs> you know, what with Southern Bastards coming out, nobody else can draw a Southern book now. And uh, without looking really crap, <laughs> and um, it's it's set in this very sort of specific area of um, uh, Southern California, actually where Steve lives. So he he's been able to provide you some very sort of specific reference, and um, show you pictures of his meetings and yeah, um, yeah, and um, it's it's great. It's basically a classic scary story. Um, uh, my. 12-year-old nephew's helping me with it. It's, it's for him. It's, it's basically the kind of thing that, um, you know, fairly young boys read and then scare each other with. And um, it's about this family going to um, <coughs> a road trip that goes wrong and, um, and what happens. And it's just great, really. Uh, but it is quite hard to draw. I mean, it's about what they're actually, they actually do. Um, you know, there's no kind of pissing about covering things with flowers or what I would normally like to do it's like you know, you know can nud- I, nudity can I suggest uh, listening to Anton LaVey's uh, solo album yes. it's called Satan Takes a Holiday oh great and it's carnival music oh, it is amazing yes, yes there, we actually, there, is, there is actually a, um, a, a, I was going to say what was it going to use the word carnival a, a kind of crap fairground aspect um <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously need more. Th- I need more things to it to, to make it kind of weird, but it's um, it's great. But it's really it's really hard to draw, and um, it's really good fun. And it's I'm watching a lot of sort of 1970s sort of um, I was going to say orange movies. Everybody's, everybody's, there's lots of, sort of dust and like muscle cars, and um, everybody's very kind of tanned, and then they then they melt or something. Um, so yes, that's that's. Um, and, and what they actually do, it's, um, all I can say is it's incredibly hard to draw and I'm um, simultaneously um, 
going, this is, this is amazing fun, and this is really, really gross. And like, um, I, oh, really gross. Um, and, and yeah. So you're all sold on it. For your, for your, de for your delectation. Um, yeah, sometime, when I finish it. So that, that basically, I'm, I'm drawing, you're talking about side projects. No more side projects to me till that one's done. Yeah. Uh, anyone else have any more questions? Yeah. Well, question for Carol. Um, with Super Crash, like trying to unpack such a colossal <coughs> thing, um, was it difficult? Because it's so it's such an emotive subject as well. Was it difficult trying to stay impartial, or because it's kind of a bit like investigating a crime, kind of? Well, it is <laughs> like investigating a <laughs> crime, and uh, I didn't stay impartial because you can't stay impartial. You can't really say completely objective about it. Um, a lot of it is fueled by my anger, which is what, why I got into it in the first place. So, you know, I didn't try to be even-handed. What I wanted to do was to find out the truth. And if that meant coming down heavily on one side, so be it. That's what I did. Did you get any publishers get a bit freaked out? Did you uh, 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 a little bit of worry about some legalities, but only very minor things. Because most of the stuff is so research comes from other stuff that's already been published and is in the public domain anyway. So it's, it wasn't a big deal. It's just that people are afraid of looking under the rocks to see what's actually there. Yeah. And those are very big rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? All right. Well, oh, oh, sorry, I couldn't see behind. If I could be greedy, I'll ask a second question. Oh, question for Daryl. Uh, with your book, Science Tales. If one of the bits of science fact in your book turned out to be disproved, would you want to go back and redraw that chapter? The reason I ask is because I was listening to this whole um, debate between E.O. Wilson and um, oh, Britain's old bigot in chief, what's his name, um, uh, Richard Dawkins, <laughs> on the radio this morning, uh, about how perhaps his idea of a selfish gene might be wrong. And so if that was the case, if there was something like that, would you want to redraw this chapter or just go, well, it was true at the time? No, I think you'd have to correct it. I mean, the whole <laughs> point of the scientific process is that it's self-correcting. That uh, So you would have to go back. I wouldn't be happy with that. I know pe scientists get into trouble when they hang on to the theories long past the point where they've been disproved. And only a fool does that. <laughs> Better to be proved wrong than a fool, really. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> thank you all. Should be my last line. It's <laughs> like tombstone. Um, thank you all, Allison. Uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning. Congrats on the uh, British Comic Awards yeah. win for. Uh, yeah. Oh, you won as well. Yeah, that's thank right. You very much. I didn't. <laughs> What's wrong with them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, congrats to both. Thank you. Very thank much. you. And uh, yeah, thank you all for coming out today. Thanks. Yeah.
four years. Thank God at last I'm home. Haven't time to talk a lot, so I'm feeling mighty gay. Listen, sweet, forget me not, I've only time to say. All of Norman's land is ours, dear. Now I've come back home to you, my honey true. Wedding bells in Juni June, all will tell by the Juni June. The victory's won, the war is over. The whole wide world is breast and clover. Then hand in hand we stroll through life, dear. Just think how happy we will be. I mean, we three, we pick a bungalow amongst the fragrant boughs and spend our honeymoon with the blooming flowers. All of no man's land is ours. All of no man's land is ours. Now I have come back home to you, money true. Joyful bells in Juni June, all will tell by the Juni June. The victory's won, the war is over. The whole wide world is freeze to clover. All of no man's land is ours. We pick a bungalow among the fragrant boughs and spend a honeymoon with the blooming flowers. 